Welcome to the Experts Podcast, where we take you behind the scenes of what it really means to be in the media. Featuring interviews with media stable experts and some of Australia's prominent media. We'll break down some of the myths, the fears, the skills and the knowledge needed to succeed in the media. The Experts Podcast is for the business owner, communicator, PR professional, leader of industry or anyone looking to develop their profile to be a recognised expert. The Experts Podcast is powered by Media Stable. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Experts Podcast. We've got a little bit of a special one here today. We're going to talk architecture. And I can't talk architecture with the great architect of media in Carmen Braidwood. Hello, Carmen. <laughs> Hello. Uh, good to see you again, Nick. Uh, yeah, I don't know an awful lot about architecture other than I find it interesting if I visit a new place or I walk around my home city of Perth. Um, that's about where it ends, though. <laughs> but what we sometimes forget is that architecture is everywhere around us. And I think it's fascinating that uh, we don't hear enough architects in the media. And before I introduce our special guest, Anthony DeMarcy, he's he is an architect. He's also to a sustainability expert. But I want the listeners to start thinking about this. If you're if you're a Seinfeld fan, you'll remember that George Costanza, he, in any job or any opportunity he got to tell people what he did, he never spoke about the fact that most of the time he was unemployed. He always wanted to be an architect. And I, th- I think that's classic, and I want to dive deep into this a little bit with Anthony, Anthony DeMarcy. Welcome, Anthony. Did, did you always want to – you George Costanza and always wanted to be an architect? Well, thank you for having me, Nick and Carmen. Uh, really appreciate the opportunity. Uh, well, uh, did I always want to be an architect? No, not necessarily. I was finding my way, I think, like everyone does through school and and, and so on and so forth. I was, you know, I was uh, perhaps one of those students that, you know, was, let's say, average at most classes, but I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do. I was encouraged to do architecture, try architecture when I um, finished my VCE and, uh, you know, I was lucky enough to get in at Melbourne Uni and it was really, I, I still recall the first lecture and I was really taken aback by what I was shown and by what I was, by the people I was around and I just really fell in love with it, not not from that moment on, but, you know, within six months I really found my place, I think. It was something I really enjoyed, the people and so on and so forth. And it struck me that it's something that you never really get good at in architecture. It's one of those lifelong pursuits. It's something that you can keep working at, working at and, and never truly master and you feel it. I personally feel that we've we belong to a sort of community of architects, a profession of architects, and that we're in some ways we're very competitive with each other. In other ways, we're actually very, uh, very collegiate with each other in the way that we work. So it's a, it's it's a strange combination, but it's something I really enjoy. It is around us. It's it's in everything that we see, and I think that uh, we don't hear a lot of architects in the media. I think. Is it because you guys like to stay below the parapet, don't put yourself out there, or is it that, you know, the architects probably are trying to be letting their buildings or letting the very things that they build or or actually construct or come up with 
do the talking as opposed to the architects besides is that is that something that you follow because you're up and about in the media well you know i think there are a lot of issues you know that are contending for attention i suppose you know there's the legal politics the environment a whole bunch of stuff so yeah i mean architecture doesn't doesn't feature prominently in the mainstream press it does feature when you know there are buildings that win awards or there's a major new announcement. Um, but I think you're right. There isn't a lot of day-to-day discussion about architecture and about the built environment, which I think is a great shame. As to the reasons for that, it, it's probably because there are things that are, to be to be honest, that are possibly a bit more um, pressing on people's mind, the, the state of the economy, the things like that. So architecture sort of sits a little bit in the background and that's okay, but it's it's one of those things that I think ha- has its place in society, obviously, and, and can be part of a discussion. You know, I, I'm very interested in the sort of urban politics, shall we say, about why buildings get built, the way buildings get built and, and things like that. And I think an engagement with the public on some of these issues was really important. So it's, it's never really a discussion specifically about architecture. It's usually about the built environment, about design, about sustainability. And I think there is more room in the media for that sort of discussion. And I'll just touch on what Carmen said. She said that she doesn't, you know, doesn't take mm. a huge interest in it. But I think you could, mm. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I like that you pick up on that, Anthony. I think you're quite right. There's possibly a misconception amongst the media who are always saying, let's pitch everything we do to the average uh, grocery buyer who might be earning, you know, seventy to $80,000 a year, and you'll make this, this assumption that we probably can't afford uh, architecturally constructed homes. But as you point out quite rightly, everywhere we go, there's a built environment that affects us no matter what our income background is or our, our socioeconomic situation might be. So we've got this vested interest that we're probably overlooking and there's an opportunity for media to look into that a bit more. And, and you also point out the sustainability side of it how many years has it been now for you that you've you've integrated sustainability into your architectural concepts um well just on the first point about architecture i think that the idea that you need to to engage in architecture an architect to 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 sort of be interested in architecture is not not you know something that we can all Mm. be interested in architecture we all have a we all live in the built environment. So you can kind of consume architecture through books or through just looking at things. And if we go yeah. to Florence or Rome, we're actually appreciating the architecture and we should be able to do that in Perth or Melbourne yeah. or Adelaide, wherever. So, you know, we can engage in architecture in different ways. So sustainability is, is a real interest of mine because I think there is a, you know, we have committed as a country to being at net zero by 2050, and that means that architectures and, and the built environment is going to play a massive role if we're to achieve that outcome, and it's by no means an easy thing. And I don't think people are really aware of the sort of changes that are going to happen uh, for us to meet these sorts of requirements, even come close to it. So sustainability... Um, I believe good architecture and sustainability go hand in hand. Historically, I think that's the case. I, I think you could very easily um, uh, give examples historically of great buildings that are actually sustainably based or that they've got some basis in nature, in being about uh, good outcomes for people, for society, 
and up buildings that endure. You know, the really good buildings are there for a long time and nothing can be more sustainable than that. Mm. The way that I, I got into our, into sustainability is really, you know, there's a lot of discussion around that and, and kind of thinking about my sustainability approach was really around the fact that we do a lot of renovation work and a lot of refurbishment work. And it was a friend who said to me that, you know, when I said, oh, how do I, how do I portray myself as sustainable? How do I communicate sustainability? And he, he made the point that you can't, I was doing it already by preserving a lot of existing buildings and making better use of the existing infrastructure was ultimately one of the best ways that we could make our built environment sustainable. So from that sort of position, I was able to feel a little bit more confident about talking about sustainability and find my way into it so that I can mm. talk about it a little bit more confidently. I'm all about sustainability in a very pragmatic, low-tech low sort of style. Nice. Well, well, without any doubt, sustainability is a, is, is a big topic, not just politically. Um, media does like it. it. It likes to work with it because it, it actually is something that we as the listener, the viewer, can actually do a little bit or play a little role in it. And I think... That's possibly where I, I like it with architecture is that um, you, you've got a chance because a lot of the things that you're working with, and particularly for the long term, and I, I love the, how you talk about longevity of buildings is the greatest form of sustainability because obviously we don't need to keep overdoing or redoing it all the time. But what is it that we can be doing better, though, Anthony? Because uh, we do hear about wasted environments, resources, things that are sitting on the sites that, or anywhere that we're building, um, it just seems to, to look like a bit of a wasteland. What, what can we be doing, each of and every one of us, to be, to be playing a little bit of a role and being more sustainable? Should we be looking at secondhand materials? Should we be looking at the kind of things like solar, um, rainwater, all of those kind of things. Is, is that something that you're conscious of with any time that you're putting together uh, your architecture and putting forward something in front of your clients? Uh, it is because it's a requirement to have um, buildings meet a certain standard. But in terms of what the general public can do, it's really simple. Often, most people live in houses that are quite inefficient, energy inefficient. So their heating and, and cooling costs are relatively high and, you know, they're uncomfortable. So really simple things is insulation and sealing gaps and trying to make better use of the buildings that you've got. So the really simple way of being sustainable is to maintain your home so that you can actually achieve a lower cost to run the place. So cost and sustainability have this funny, mm. funny parallel that if you can make your house more efficient, you're going to lower your cost, but you have to put that money up front. So the yeah. really simple way that as a, a general public, you know, from a member of the general public who's living in a, let's call it a one or two star home, can do is actually do the maintenance work, insulation, sealing windows, changing the heating and cooling system so it's more efficient. Getting off gas is the big thing that, that's being talked a lot about in the media and there's a whole bunch mm -hmm. of reasons for that. So that's the first tier. If you're doing a renovation, then there's a lot more active systems that we can talk about, solar, rainwater tanks and all of that sort of stuff. So that's kind of if you're doing a project. And then it goes on from there. So the thing that's going to happen, I think, in the near future is that we're going to see a lot more subsidies for housing to become more efficient 
And so we're going to see a lot more retrofitting of existing houses so that the existing building stock is made to be much more energy efficient. And I would suggest the media would be very interested in this kind of discussion because it's going to happen. Uh, that really brings to mind another issue that the media would seek interest in, of course. We, we, anytime we're talking subsidies and building, we then need to talk about the subsequent uh, issue with getting houses and homes either renovated or built. We've had extreme uh, shortages in labour, sh- shortages when it comes to materials. How can good architectural design help us alleviate some of those concerns and do this better so that every time there's this issue of a... Um, a downturn and we chuck money at it, we don't end up with a subsequent downturn. Look, Carmen, I wish I had the answer to that. I really do. I mean, it's not a simple simple solution. We are in a kind of crisis with housing at the moment and there's a whole bunch of reasons as to why that's occurred. And, you know, unless you want me to go on for an hour, I won't because <laughs> I feel like I'm talking a bit too much. But it's... Um, it's 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 a it's a problem, and I think the the more we can talk about it, more we can open up this discussion, the better it will be for the community to understand. I, I it, it's there's been a real change in the way that housing is being built. There's costs have risen quite a lot as a result of COVID. There have been issues with the Ukraine war and sort of things happening globally that have really. You know, there's been uh, Porter Davis has gone into liquidation. There's been a whole bunch of stuff that's going. And so it's not a great time to be building. So housing affordability is really a hot topic. And we, my contention is that we, again, we need to talk about it, open up the discussion. And as an architect, I've got sort of lots of things that we could say about it. I would encourage people to understand the landscape that we're in if they're going into a building contract to know what their rights are and to exercise those rights. Mm-hmm. Too often homeowners don't do that. And also really think about how much you actually need before you take on a building project because we build some of the largest houses anywhere on the globe and that's not really very sustainable and it's not really very good for the consumer. So these sorts of discussions, I think architects are really well placed to have with the media. It's a really, it's such a strong point there, Anthony. Around we do build the largest house. There is a perception out there that the bigger the house, the more successful you've been, or you know that this is the big Australian dream is to have the big, you know, four by two, but then another two by three sitting at the back on top of a four by one. I mean, look, <laughs> this is it gets a little bit overdone. But can I just throw a quick fire questions at you? Because I know that these particular particular topics in the media right now that are hot to trot, and I, I I'm putting you without notice around a few questions that are going to be a little challenging. So no, let's just see how you go. So Scott Morrison's plan during the pandemic to to really throw a lot of money into the building sector was that good or bad? Ultimately, it was bad because what it did it sugarcoated the industry, and I think people got ahead of themselves. And it ultimately has led to a bit of a, a hangover, shall we say, a hangover effect where people thought that it was just going to go on forever. And I don't think, so a lot of builders did really well during the pandemic and subsequent to that have actually really struggled. So ultimately, I think it was very, it was a, it was a poor uh, exercise by the government of the day. Red tape with both state governments and local governments can be a little excessive or are they not excessive enough? Uh, 
it, it cuts both ways. The red tape often uh, doesn't deliver the sort of outcomes that we need. Other times it actually protects the environment or protects the built environment from overdevelopment. So it, it's not a straightforward question. The thing that's lacking in planning is kind of a master plan and a vision for places. And I would like to see, you know, the red tape, as you describe it, the planning um, departments that exist in councils and, and state governments be a little bit more clear about what they're trying to achieve and moderate overdevelopment with underdevelopment. So what I mean is you often see very large development in places where it's not sustainable and in other places we're not seeing enough development. So a kind of a vision and an urban design is really required. Are architects just the lawyers of the uh, uh, of the world where you, you, you're too afraid to even engage an architect because you know that there's going to be a hefty invoice at the very end of it or is it a worthwhile investment? Look, it's, uh, there are there are good architects and there are not so good architects. There are in 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 many respects, Australia is actually really lucky. It's got a lot of very good small to medium practitioners, in my opinion, who deliver really really good services to clients. And you just need to look at the magazines that are out there. There's actually some really really good architects, very talented architects out there who deliver a really good service. So yes, you are paying for a service as you would, you know, in any sort of professional capacity but the the payoff is that generally speaking generally speaking mm. the built environment that you end up with is going to be much more enjoyable much more sustainable and tailored to your needs i know notice you're wearing a very nice suit nick and it's a little bit like the suit that you're wearing i suspect you paid a, a good price for that and i suspect you're <laughs> reaping the rewards of having that very nice suit so it's oh. not dissimilar to that now look at you playing to ego well done now can't the reason I asked Anthony those questions is because, again, they're hot topics that are running around in the media right now. And we sometimes forget that we tend to go to the, those experts and commentators that are just sort of on the street. You know, they're the lawyers, the accountants, the finance people, mm -hmm. the real estate property people. But when you really get down to the nitty gritty of it, it's the architects and it's those people that um, that you probably wouldn't naturally go to Ah, the real experts. They're the real commentators that we should be talking to. Oh, I'm all for it, Nick. And already I'm building a case that I'm hoping Anthony will be able to help me win for why we should renovate this home to suit the purposes of our family in into the future, right? So, you know, the like you said earlier, that investment in the at this early stage pays off through reduced costs on things like heating and cooling in the future. I think that really makes a lot of sense. And those are the kinds of practical conversations that, to my mind, we want to hear in the media. So if you are a professional like Anthony, listening to the podcast right now and thinking, oh, how can I pitch my services and my expertise to the media? I think you do need to kind of think about that grocery buying adult that most particularly commercial media are speaking to. And so when you discuss these topics, you've just got to contextualise it in that way. And the other thing Anthony's doing really well is contextualising our built environment. You know, I just spent a week in Cairns and I just loved walking around, spotting these beautiful old buildings with which I think were maybe Art Deco, but Anthony would probably be able to clarify that for me. It's quite fun 
to look at them and think, gee, what's mm-hmm. passed through over the last century of these buildings um, having been in this place and and who's been there and which, which moments in history have they witnessed? And I guess, you know, that leads to all of the elements you've just been talking about, local government policies, state government policy and how they can communicate with our Commonwealth to make sure we're all on the same page and the built environment is preserved in a sustainable way, which is the ultimate in recycling, repurposing, which everyone's so jazzed about these days. Did I give like 10,000 story ideas there or what? (laughs) (laughs) You did, but can I I just say one one simple thing? The idea of uh, renovating your home is Mm. really... Uh, it's kind of an optimistic thing. If you do it, mm. I hope you do. It's a very, it's a, it's a statement about your future. It's a statement about your family. It's a statement about you investing in, in, in the infrastructure that you've got. And ultimately, that's what architecture is. But anyone who does a building project, small or large, is making a statement about their future and about the community's future. That's why it's such an interesting field to be in because the people who are doing it are often entrepreneurs they're visionary they're they're, they've got they're they're staking a case for the future and if you do it sustainably you're making a really good case for it there are those that obviously are pursuing the monetary value of development and that's okay but we've got to you know get that balance right i suppose does it make sense though anthony i i I think i know the answer to this but i i like hearing it in your words that that investment, as you referred to, that entrepreneurial activity there of someone looking to do a development or to to build, does it make sense financially to do it? Because, you know, a little bit like what you're referring to with uh, investing in an architect, that investment will, and I suppose at the end of the day, pay off because it will come down to quality. It will come down to will it meet the needs of what you're actually looking forward to in the future as opposed to maybe just meeting the needs right now? Look, it's a, it's a tough one. You, you, you're asking the tough questions, Nick. These are the sorts of things that you, you have discussions with, um, with clients and, you know, the things that we talk about here in the office and, and with our colleagues. These are sticky questions, you know, and there, there's no easy answer. Do you invest in the feature wall and the, the, the surround sound technology? You know, what's the best... You know, if you've only got a certain pot of money, let's say, what, what, where should you place, where should you put your emphasis? And these are things that, you know, are hotly contested. My view is that um, building buildings that are healthy for the occupants is really critical. Um, buildings, building buildings that reduce your running costs is a good idea. And I think but doing buildings which are sustainable is the right thing to do. Yeah. So if you kind of think of it in, in that sort of context, then it becomes very easy to think about where you put your money. So if you've got a $100,000 budget or a million-dollar budget, if you invest your time and energy into those things, you're getting a sustainable outcome. If I invested into technology and you know design features and all those sorts of things, you run the risk that it, the project or whatever it is becomes easy to date and perhaps doesn't really satisfy that human need that we all have, which is to have a house and a home that feels comfortable. Mm. I love those houses that still have the uh, the vacuums in the walls. That was the whole techo thing at the time, the sort of late 80s, early 90s. Oh, you don't need a vacuum cleaner anymore. Just plug it into there and you can always tell those houses because they all normally have broken down or the intercoms right through the house. 
Um, that was sort of that classic sort of dated thing. You go, oh, God, we don't need that kind of stuff anymore, do we? Well, that's right. Technology changes very rapidly and you just think of a house that's, you know, 20 years old, as you say, 30 years old. Um, it, it is quite remarkable. We were connected to the landline. Um, now we, we're all using mobiles, you know, we're mm-hmm. using the internet. We're, we're conversing, you know, via a screen. It changes very rapidly. What doesn't change very rapidly is the buildings that we occupy because they're on a slower cycle. So typically a building that has really good proportions, really good spaces, you know, simple proportions, light comes in, air cross flow of air and all of that sort of things that, you know, is well designed, they stay with us. They're actually the most flexible spaces in which to operate because you can do different things with it. You know, they can accommodate different different functions. So this is the key to architecture, is to, and that's why I love it so much, is that you, you're trying to think about scenarios that don't exist mm. and you do that by creating spaces that allow people to change and adapt to suit their needs. That certainly helps us now, understand Anthony, the Anthony, open plan thing that's been going on the last few generations, hasn't it? More of an open plan style of living. Is that a response, do you think, to the changing needs of our spaces? Yes and no. Sometimes open plan works and sometimes it doesn't. But mm. you're right, that, that ability to create spaces that allow for adaptability without too much um, cost is really where we, you know, is a good function of, of design. So, yeah. Look, we're drawing to a close. We've only got about five minutes left. I just wanted to have a bit of a chat to you about some of your media experience that you have had Um over the last 18 months. You've done uh, 3AW, 6PR, you've done the ABC, WA Today, 2GB, 2CC, a lot of radio there, Anthony. We haven't done a lot of print or TV. Is it, is it, is it your appetite to get into print and TV? And, and just tell, talk to us a little bit about your radio experience because it does seem that the media is obviously interested and does want to have conversations around architecture or your expertise in this space. Yeah, I mean, it's quite interesting doing talk, you know, doing the sort of radio interviews. It's really, you know, you, you, you're fired questions much like here and you've got to respond on the spot and hopefully you get, you get your point across. So far we've done okay. I think it's been, it's been really interesting and I really enjoy it, I have to say. Um, you have to think on your feet. I do think there is uh, the potential for some longer form um, commentary. I would love you know, for, you know, I don't know, Saturday paper or something like that to sort of talk about some of these issues a little bit more or, you know, some of these other um, avenues that exist out there because I think, you know, much like this conversation that we're having, there's a bit to delve into, is there? Mm-hmm. There's a bit of depth to it. Um, so you can do the quick grab, but I think there's a bit more depth to it. So from the way that I viewed the media experience is that it's a bit of, it's like training, it's it's understanding how, you know, what the audience wants to hear, it's, under, you know, what's relevant to the audience, also understanding the person who's interviewing you, making sure that you can satisfy them. But ultimately I'm really keen on getting that longer form uh, analysis into the, into the media because I think then you've got some, you know, you can have some impact, you know, and, and, and start those really interesting conversations. 
I've got an idea for a TV and spot for you, Anthony. Are you ready to say uh, to the pr- Prime Minister, mm. bad idea to do those stimulus packages around the building industry? Uh, I, I do. I, I mean, you know, the, the building industry is used as a stimulatory, you know, an economic, economic stimulus package. You know, whenever we're in crisis, they throw money at the building industry. I don't think it's a good idea. I really don't. I think a more... A slower burn would be much, much better. Um, so, yes, if you want to get me on a TV show where I can respond to the uh, <laughs> to the Prime Minister, I'll do it. But yeah. well, and that's what it is, too, Anthony. At the end of the day, to to get it a little bit opinionated and have a position. And I think there's too many of us out there running around that uh, hold certain expertise, but a little afraid or a little bit too cautious. I won't say, um, uh, you know. I won't say afraid, I'll say too cautious about putting their head up, up above the parapet to pre- present their opinion and position. And I, I, I want I, I sort of haven't done that before with a guest on the Experts podcast to hit them with three topics and mm-hmm. see their position on that um, off the bat. But I, I really wanted to prove that architects and also to other professional services are, are very important. They need to be talking in this particular space. Otherwise, it's going to be filled with someone who probably doesn't have that expertise to deliver. And I, I really believe that. And um, and that's what I love. Is is delivering your opinion and position, Anthony, a concern for you, obviously for your own brand and for your own business? But do you take that into account when you're putting your position forward? Oh, you have to, absolutely. You've got to be you've got to be careful, obviously. You know, I'm a professional. I've got a I'm sort of in part representing myself. I'm also representing the profession, you know, we have a responsibility to the profession and, and to the broader community. So, yeah, everything I say has to be kind of calibrated. I can't just fly off the handle. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I have to be careful. And I think that is expected of me. And I think that is why I don't venture into areas that I don't feel, you know, is my area of expertise. So I tend to stay, broadly speaking, in the housing, construction, you know, planning and sustainability where I believe I am, you know, have strong opinions and not afraid to really communicate them clearly, clearly is around the issue of sustainability because, you know, I do think there's a massive change that's going to happen in the industry within the next five years and, and I think there does need to be greater spokespeople out there talking about this stuff because I don't think people really understand it and it's not an area that I feel that I should compromise on in any shape or form because it's such a such an important issue. And I feel like I've got the right language to communicate it to to the homeowner and to the to the general public as to why it's important and how they would benefit from embracing this kind of idea rather than seeing it as kind of over there or, or down the track, so to speak. Yeah. It's oh look it's it's so important that people like you, Anthony, do have a position and do have a platform to actually present it to because, again, sometimes we just fill the airwaves, don't we, Calms, with people that may not necessarily be qualified or the right people to talk to. But we need different voices. We need to hear them. So I do encourage take the Anthony lead and get yourself in amongst the mix and get yourself out there. Yeah. Can I say that I think you're absolutely right, Nick. I think that the more professionals who are talking to the media, the better 
And I think we would all benefit from those voices being part of the discussion, the broader discussion. I, I couldn't agree with you more. You know what? That's going to be my little segue. That's going to be my little lead in there, Anthony, because that is a great. That's a great piece of advice, and only because you reinforced what I had to say, didn't you, Carms? That was oh, uh, that was brilliant. Played um, it beautifully. We ran out of we ran out of time, Carms. All done. Very very interesting conversation. Yeah, we, I'm looking forward to of, hearing more. Yeah, now, Anthony. If people want to get in contact with, with you, what's the best way to do it? Uh, they're welcome to email me on anthony at demarzearchitects.com.au. Demarze is D-I-M-A-S-E. They're welcome to call me, 0419-505-608. And, look, I'm on active on Twitter, LinkedIn, um, and, of course, they can contact you via MediaStable that I'm part of. Um, yeah, and, look, I'll just say that MediaStable have been really good, really supportive of my venture into this area it's been you know working with Susie and yourself and Carmen it's been really great I've really enjoyed it ah oh, you're very good Anthony you're very good <laughs> and you weren't paid for this this is not a paid advertisement for, no. for, uh, for media stable but appreciate the kind words hey Carms, another great one um, no, I really enjoyed that and 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 follow and follow Anthony's lead professional services get yourself out there find a platform to actually communicate and connect because if you're not talking about it, someone else is going to. And I don't think necessarily they're going to be as qualified. Hey, Carms. Now, the things that you've been sitting there thinking quietly to yourself need to be out there and front and centre in the media. So do it. Beautiful work. Well, thank you for joining us today on the Experts Podcast. Look forward to having your company next week when we speak to another expert or another media. Thanks very much. You've been listening to the Experts Podcast, powered by Media Stable. If you'd like to get in contact with the team, head to mediastable.com.au.